welcome everyone. Welcome to the Matter of the Heart, where we give you heartfelt, educational, and positive stories, all to elevate your spirit. I am your host, Carol Olivia, and always, thank you so much for taking your time out to listen to the Matter of the Heart. The topic, the topic of the show, very important. COVID-19 Delta variant. And the guest is Dr. Cregan. Dr. Edward T. Cregan he is a professor of medical oncology, John and Roma Rouse Professor of Humanism in Medicine, Distinguished Mayo Clinician, Consultant, Palliative Medicine, and he's also been the past president of the Mayo of the Mayo staff. So we welcome you, Dr. Green. Oh, Carol, thank you. And I want to welcome all our listeners and thank you, Carol, for bringing us all together. And I, I sit here this evening with a profound sense of sadness over what's happening to our families. We are now in the midst of the fourth surge, the fourth surge of this nightmare pandemic. And just to turn back the clock, Several months ago, there was the perception that there was the light at the end of the tunnel. Broadway was opening up, restaurants were filled, sporting events were attracting fans. Uh, there were barbecues, there were picnics, and, and there was this feeling that finally, the, the anvil had been listed lifted from around our necks. And then catastrophically, everything changed. Uh, our colleagues at the CDC in Atlanta said, everybody, when they are inside, regardless of being vaccinated, must wear a mask. Tremendous emphasis on the importance of masks in children, in schools. But there's been a divisiveness in our country. And if one looks at a map of where patients are dying, where children are dying, there's a very clear geographic divide. Well, that's interesting. So if you can give us some insight into the areas, Dr. Cregan. If we are vaccinated, mm -hmm the probability of coming down with a lethal case of COVID requiring intubation and intensive care unit management is probably one or 2%. So the vaccines in general are about 98% protective. Now we'll come back to this point in a minute. They're not a cure, but if we are vaccinated, and if we contract COVID in general, this becomes a minor nuisance and rarely requires life-threatening interventions. So when we look at a map of the United States where our citizens are dying from COVID, almost exclusively, these individuals have not been vaccinated. I think there's a high percentage of that. Is it 98%? What is the percentage? Yes, I have seen figures 98, 99%. Right. And it's primarily in some of our, of our Southern states. So there's a very clear demarcation between the North and the South. 
in communities with a high vaccination rate, such as Minnesota and other states, the probability of dying from COVID decreases dramatically. And now we have a political debate about whether masks should be mandatory. But I think the drift in the corporate world is that if you want to work for my company, if you want to play for my team, you must show proof of vaccination. Now this becomes very contentious, tremendous bitterness, and, and, I, and I don't see a quick resolution. But I think the message for us is that we can do a lot for ourselves by maintaining social distance, by wearing masks religiously. Here's a, an example of one of the masks that I use, the Mayo Clinic mask. And, and this is part of what we do. You know, when we leave the house in the morning, we have our keys, we have our wallet, we have our glasses, and we have the mask. And in our community, there has been a tremendous acceptance that this is the get out of jail free card. And many businesses get it. We now have masks that are mandatory in schools. But again, we are a community based on medicine. This is the home of the number one healthcare delivery system in the galaxy, namely Mayo Clinic. So directly or indirectly, we are touched by the Mayo Clinic and by our enlightened leaders. There's also been a tightening of the visitor program at Mayo Clinic. As of a few weeks ago, multiple visitors could visit patients in the hospitals and could be part of a consultation. That's been changed. Now there's one visitor per patient and patients are aggressively screened on campus. They are addressed by some professionally trained individuals. They go over an inventory. Have you had a fever? Have you been around someone with COVID? These sorts of things. Have you had a temperature? And if you have none of these characteristics, you're given a name tag. And this might say Thursday. So that means you are okay for Thursday, but then you have to be sort of recertified. There also is an emphasis on healthcare providers wearing protective eye gear over glasses because of the threat of COVID. So our organization has been on the forefront to stress this is deadly serious, this is life and death, and we have to take this with a real sense of professional responsibility. If you wanna go into that eye gear, I've never heard of that, and I'm sure some of the listeners have not. Yes, this is an unusual way to get COVID, and in many clinical circumstances, we're face to face with the patient, eye to eye with the patient especially for evaluating ophthalmology or nose and throat. And if that patient coughs, there could be particles being attached to the eye and the lining of the lids. So this is an extra level of precaution showing how serious our leadership are about this particular fourth surge of a deadly situation. Wow. All right. Um, 
What about children now? Is it because that they have not been vaccinated or is it just a turn of events that, that this is gonna be the next you know, population? I, I think the legitimate concern is that right. children are not yet vaccinated. There's obviously issues of safety. Right. And uh, our children could be right. vectors infecting our communities. And we need to be extraordinarily watchful. And that's why there has been an emphasis in many communities about the, about the wearing of masks. Um, now, I'm just curious if a child, the, the, the younger a child is compared to an adult, do they have a higher immune system? I mean, how, what, because, I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with one's immune system as well. Yes, for some reason, with the fourth surge, right. rather than grandma and grandpa winding up in the hospital in the intensive care unit, Susie and Mickey and Alice are now winding up as part of this fourth surge. And many pediatric hospitals are buckling under the tsunami of children being hospitalized with near fatal infections. So this is a very different epidemiologic model, rather than the elderly, it's our children who are now at risk and they're being intubated and being maintained in intensive care units, which we did not see with the earlier surge of COVID-19. So then it doesn't matter if somebody's uh, an adult versus a child as far as the immune system goes? In general, right. we adults, are prone to chronic diseases, okay. such as emphysema, such as heart disease, such as diabetes, such as arthritis. So that clearly compromises our immune apparatus. And if children are basically healthy, their immune system is more robust than that of someone in their 60s and 70s. Energy. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, got it. Um, now, prior to the show, you're talking about uh, two countries, New Zealand and Australia. And why do you think that is the case? Uh, they seem to have a different approach. I'm quietly smiling because uh, Mayo Clinic sent several of us to New Zealand about six years ago. Oh. And without question, the most gracious, the most hospitable, the kindest group of people that I had ever met. Let me give you an example. After like a 16 hour flight, uh, we were completely jet lagged. I had the IQ of a zucchini. Right, maybe. And, and, then we were, and we were looking for a restaurant. So there was six of us completely in a fog. And there was a businessman with a three piece suit and a leather briefcase. And he said, can I help you? I said, yes, we were looking for a restaurant. He said, come here, you just follow me and I will take you to the restaurant. I will introduce you to the maitre d'. Boom. So there is a cohesiveness because you have a small population. I believe it's the young, one of the youngest countries in the world, relatively isolated. Yeah. So people are tremendously interdependent. And I think they realize since we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, COVID could spread like wildfire and we have a serious problem. So I think there's more of a social contract 
whereas in other countries, there may not be a social contract. So what's the social contract? Right. This was the term shared with me by a beloved palliative care physician mm-hmm. at Jackson, Mississippi. And a social covenant is that to some extent, we are our brother's keeper. Right. To some extent, there is a moral existential energy to care for each other. For example, if we're on our way to work and someone falls in front of us, we're not gonna walk over that person. We're gonna do what we can to help that person. If there's an automobile accident, there is that rush to do what we can. But I think with the current political divisiveness, we've lost some of that communal caring and concern for each other. Yeah. I'd be curious if those countries live longer, if the people, because of more the communal, you know, uh, respect. I, I would suspect so. Certainly, these are countries that are tremendously athletic. Uh, The All Blacks is a uh, rugby juggernaut from New Zealand, world-class performers. Uh, The Aussies have been leaders in physical fitness. And in fact, uh, I had some visibility as a runner in high school and college. And I used to write letters to one of the foremost track coaches in the world in Australia. His name was Percy Serenity. Nice. And Percy, Percy Serity would have his runners run up the sand dunes of Port C in Australia. And he was the coach of Herb Elliott, the world record holder of the metric mile in the 1956 Olympics. So I think there's more athleticism in these countries than perhaps in some part of our country. Well, maybe they're not as heavy too. I'm I'm smiling that obviously, not to get off cycle here, but obesity is is killing all of us. And it's something about which we could certainly have another show. This is, uh, this is. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. Remember that one, Doctor. Yes, good, good. Um, So uh, is it because they have a different uh, social attitude as well, more of a humanistic approach, because I think we can all learn from these countries. Absolutely. I think once upon a time in our country, we knew our neighbors. Right. There was a front porch. We knew their children. We knew what they did. Today, we have this American cowboy, gunslinger, John Wayne, Rambo mentality. Right. Right, right. Storm the beaches. We can do anything. So we've lost some of that communal connectedness, which has been fueled by the isolation of the stay-at-home movement. Yeah. And at Mayo Clinic, thousands and thousands of colleagues have been sequestered working from home rather than being on the main campus, connecting with each other, having cups of coffee. So we've lost some of that connectedness. And I think one of the unintended consequences of staying at home has been weight gain because people are close to the refrigerator. Right. 
and it, and it's too heavy to move to another room. They don't want to see. Yes, it's too heavy to move the refrigerator. It won't do it. Right. Okay. Um, well, now there's talk of a booster. Yes. And if you can just give us a little, it's it's probably too premature the question, but just any any comment. Yes. Uh, Michael Osterholm is one of the world's authority on COVID treatment. And he is a professor at the public health school at the University of Minnesota. And he said the word booster is kind of a misnomer because in fact, it's not a booster, it's just an extension of the COVID vaccine program. And the concern is that especially with Pfizer, that the immune resilience, the robustness of the vaccine seems to be waning at about the eighth month mark. Moderna seems to be a little more durable. So it makes sense for individuals who've had the Pfizer vaccine, especially if they're immunologically compromised, get that shot. And I believe it's typically given about eight months after that final Pfizer vaccination. And I believe right now it's restricted to certain individuals who are immunologically compromised. Yeah. But I think clearly uh, the trajectory is that almost all of us at some point will be candidates for that third injection. Do we see a fourth? <laughs> I mean, uh, is there any end? I mean, not to sound ridiculous, but is there any end to this? I mean, third, fourth, fifth, you know, somebody's making a hell of a lot of money here. Um, I think what we will see yeah. is a tweaking and a fine tuning of this pandemic as time goes by because viruses by definition replicate. And as they replicate, their DNA becomes mixed up. So right. the virus that we're dealing with today right. may be a completely different virus a couple of months ago. And now uh, there is a, a Zeta and a Lambda mutations, particularly in the West Coast. So I think much like the flu shot, I don't think there's going to be a definitive shot, but I think there's going to be some sort of maintenance immunization program for the foreseeable future. Okay, so if I, I'm trying to understand it, uh, and maybe some of the listeners, as time goes by, uh, it fades, or uh, what happens exactly, if you could just go into that a little bit more. I think what's happening, yes. as we're seeing with the Pfizer vaccine, right. the vaccines lose some of their punch, right. lose their immunological power with time. So, rather than risk a fifth surge, that booster shot eight months after the final vaccination is gonna be part of our lives, most likely, as these viruses mutate. Mm -hmm. So with your, uh, your background, and you have such a wonderful background, what do you think the psychology of this is uh, to, to, it's a worldwide situation? I think, we need, I, I, you know, 
the psychology of people, their psyche, their spirituality. Their I think people right now, Kara, are existentially depleted. They're getting mixed messages. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Get the vaccine, don't get the vaccine. I think we need to be proactive and preemptive and work with the credentialed experts to make decisions. Let me give you an example. Several months ago, an acquaintance of ours passed away from a non-COVID problem. A funeral service is gonna be held in another state this Saturday. There will be several hundred people in a house of worship and historically, very few will be wearing masks. Very from, few? Very few will be wearing masks. And the frequency of vaccinations is low. So before going to this part of the country, we are looking at the county number of cases right. of the Delta variant in that community. Right. It's inching up. Many of us are at high risk because of our age. So before we get in that car and make that trip, we want to see what that trajectory is. And if it's reached a critical threshold, the family understands we will express our condolences. We will not be physically present. If we do decide to go and we go into that church and there are no masks, there are elderly people, there are people coughing and sneezing. We will not be physically present. We will have our own masks. We will express our condolences, but we will not go to a reception in a private home where people are shoulder to shoulder, which is a recipe for someone to get very, very sick. Totally agree. Now, I can't help but think but airplanes and passengers. I mean, yes. some industries are actually helping this. I mean, when people take flights now, they're next to each other. Yes. Now, the airline industry has really been the leader in emphasizing the importance of wearing a mask. Everybody understands from the flight attendants that this is a federal mandate. This is not optional. This is just not a nice thing to do. So being within the aircraft, if people behave themselves and they wear the mask, I think the risk is relatively low. However, the risk is higher on your way to the airport. If you're in a public transportation, if you're in an Uber or a Lyft, if you're in a waiting area with a lot of people who are not behaving themselves with the mask, we are in harm's way and we need to be proactive and think, is it worth it to go to see Aunt Susie at this particular time? So I, but I can't help but think like when you talk about crowds, not to be very careful in crowds, but in an airplane, you're right next to each other. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So how and do you know that that person hasn't had a vaccine? Uh, oh, you, you don't. And that's where the element of trust comes into play. And there are circumstances where individuals who were COVID positive 
and knowingly, knowingly got on a plane. And one of these individuals, I believe, went to one of the islands in the Caribbean, and I believe they were they were arrested. Oh, and the, and there are circumstances where parents knew that their child was COVID positive. They let the child go to school, and many many other children became COVID positive and were put in harm's way. Uh, for example, we were having some work done in our house. Uh, two wonderful gentlemen came. They were not masked. And I asked them respectfully, politely, were you vaccinated? And they said, yes, of course. So there's an element of trust on my part. And I also said, I would feel more comfortable if you would wear a mask. Out came the masks. So I think we just need to take care of ourselves and be street smart and savvy because this is a whole different environment than it was even four to six months ago. Mm, wow, that makes sense. Um, is there any wisdom from all of this, Dr. Gregan? I think the wisdom from all of this yeah. goes something like this. Many coaches are very successful. Let's talk about football. Right. And at the time of the Super Bowl, all the reporters say to the coach, tell us about your strategy. Tell us about your tactics. And to paraphrase, these coaches would say, you dance with the one that brung you. You dance with the one that brung you. In other words, you stick with that partner that brought you to the contest. You stick with what works. You don't have a new dance partner. You don't have some gimmick to try to win the game. So what works? We know what works. The safety, the value, the protection from the mask is well documented in millions and millions of patients. That's number one. Number two, the importance of aggressive hand washing. We know that works. So when we travel, the hand sanitizer is with us. And number three, to be respectful of social distancing. For example, a few weeks ago, uh, I needed to attend uh, a big box environment to get something. I had my mask. I walked into the facility. I scanned the environment. 90% of people had no masks. 90%. I did a quick pivot. No song and dance, no theatrics, no, no drama. No song and dance, Dr. Cregan. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Okay, no whining to the manager. Right. Just, just the polite, I think I'll get what I need someplace else. So we just need to be street smart and savvy, not dramatic, but we need to take care. The buck stops with us. Yes. Wow, well, we've gotten so much information from you, uh, certainly with your background and your wisdom. And um, it also could mean in a crazy way that um, it's also telling us to care more for ourselves than ever before. And now, let, me, let me give you an example. You know, A beloved colleague of mine is a woman in her early 70s. And she was visited by her son and daughter-in-law. 
the son and daughter-in-law are not vaccinated. The woman in her 70s also has a serious chronic illness. So the unvaccinated family members are putting this elderly patient at substantial risk. So we need to be smart about this and have the courage to say to family members, gee, for my safety, right. are you vaccinated? Right. And if they are not vaccinated, I would invite them certainly to wear a mask. Mm. Well, it's interesting in a way. I mean, psychologically, it's becoming, we're becoming more, much more assertive, acting yes. uh, and realizing our health needs. And, um, and certainly uh, others as well, because it's worldwide. So maybe yes. the first time we realize there's New Zealand, yes. Australia, you know. I saw an, an interesting article early this evening about Garth Brooks, the iconic country and Western star yeah. who put on an incredible concert at the University of Nebraska. He is canceling all of his tours, canceling his performances. I cannot imagine the economic consequences of that, but he said something in, in the effect, I have to do my part. Isn't that interesting? We all have to do our part to keep us safe. So here is a superstar, a household name in many parts of the country. In fact, I played many of his songs. Wow, what a patriot Beautiful. showing concern for his fellow concert people. That's, that's, that's a human being. Yeah. He's not, the money isn't as important as the compassion for mankind. Yes, yes. And one of his great songs, if tomorrow never comes, will she know how much I love her? Oh, how sweet. Yes, yes. I know that song. Yes. yes. Oh, well, that's a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah, this is wonderful. Yes. Beautiful story. Well, we thank you, Dr. Edward T. Cregan, uh, very much. We've learned so much. We always appreciate uh, your knowledge. Um, and of course, your expertise now. Thank you. Thank you. And, and Carol, for me and for our listeners, you are the GPS of our soul. Oh, how sweet. You give us those directions. You, you speak for those of us who don't have a voice. And it's palpable and it comes through, through a piece of plastic. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. Well, thank you. I never liked plastic anyway. <laughs> Too synthetic. I agree. <laughs> thank you. Really. Carol, thank you. Please be safe. And to our listeners, be safe also. And thank you so much for you that. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you've been listening to The Matter of the Heart. And I've been your host, Carol Olivia. Thank you. Mm -hmm.